Litigation Psychology Podcast brought to you by Courtroom Sciences. Uh, very special guest today, John Nunnally from North Carolina. John, how are you? I'm good. Thank you, Bill. Can you please tell our audience um, the official name of the state of North Carolina? I want to I make sure we educate people on the official name of the state. You know, this sunshine day. What's it for North Carolina again? I'm sorry, what? I didn't understand. The, the Tar Heel State, not the Blue. Oh, you mean State. you mean the nickname, not the <laughs> official name? Yes. Yeah. I know that's going to make you crazy, but uh, I won't pick on you too much today. But uh, uh, John's an NC State guy. I'm obviously a Tar Heel, um, but we don't like the Dukies, right? We're on the same page there. No, I like Duke fine. Oh come! I think Duke, Duke over UNC any day, man. Get out of here! Stop it. <laughs> Well, what we want to do today on the podcast is we're doing these uh, video uh, podcasts for about 15 minutes to try to get a sense of what everybody's going through with the pandemic, uh, particularly in litigation. Um, how have things been in the state of North Carolina, and is there any sense of things getting back on track uh, in, in, the, in the courtrooms anytime soon? What are they, what are they no, saying? No, not at all. Uh, courtrooms are closed all, through June 1st. Um, all answers, discovery, mediations, and all through June 1st, unless you have consent of the parties. Uh, the Chief Justice Beasley did amend her order last week to allow courts to require uh, online virtual hearings if they feel it's important enough. You don't have to get both parties' consent if the judge feels he wants to do an online hearing. But that's pretty rare. There are only a few cases uh, that that might be applicable for. Problem is, once even juries begin, the backlog is going to be for the criminal matters. I mean, they're going to take precedence. We're hearing now, this is all rumors, that we're going to be shoved into the fall. So I'm anticipating October, November to be just crazy with trials. So It's probably, going to, be a, probably going to be a log jam of, of sorts, I would think. Yes. Have, you, um, have, have you had the ability to do or been part of any um, virtual depositions yet? I have not, no. I've, I've done virtual hearings. I've so far been objecting to depositions because... I get a lot out of reading people in person. And I think this, while it's effective, nice and can substitute, unless it's just some uh, witness who's not too important, you just need some testimony from, uh, I, it's just too important to me to, to not do that in person. Uh, I have a lot of old yeah. school reluctance about that to, that to not be there in person. I mean, I, I show up at depositions even when sometimes it doesn't seem like it's a person who's going to have a lot of impact on the case. And a lot of times they do because they're little areas you can kind of read from their facial expressions that are harder to see on a computer or during the breaks, how they're reacting or what they're saying or doing or what, how nervous they are. That gives you a good indication of maybe there's something more there I can explore or what they've said. So yeah. I found out one time a witness who was killing me. Part of the reason was he had a, um, he had an agreement with the plaintiff's counsel. It was a construction case, and he could have been sued by the contractor as well. It wasn't. We were kind of figuring it out. He reached an agreement when they, his attorney was being paid for by that contractor. So oh, kind of shot the credibility. But, you know, I wouldn't really pick that up unless I had been there and seen that. So to answer your question, no. But other people in my office have done them and have found them effective. Interesting. Um Tell me a little bit about uh, your firm and the types of cases that, that, that you guys uh, tend to handle. Well, we have uh, firms, 25 people. We have two offices, the one in the Jacksonville, Florida, our smaller satellite office, and then the main one in Raleigh, North Carolina, handle most of the uh, southeast mid-Atlantic states from Virginia to Florida. We have people licensed in all the states. 
we have a litigation, a corporate, and a real estate section. In litigation, it tends to be trucking, transportation, and construction, mainly design professionals, architects, and engineers. And then there's a smattering of other um, premises liability, product liability, other type of cases that come along. But I'd say trucking and construction is by far the bulk. Well, let's talk about trucking uh, specifically. Uh, we're trying to make uh, the month of May our trucking month here at uh, Courtroom Sciences by uh, right. on a lot of podcasts and hopefully trying to disseminate information uh, between the defense bar. Uh, you've seen a lot of, uh, for the first time in history probably, the positive PR spin that you're seeing towards the trucking industry. What do you, do you, what are the chances that the industry can take advantage of that and, and perhaps actually influence uh, jury attitudes and decision makings? Because jurors have not liked trucking companies for a long, long time. Yeah, that's a great point. We've talked about that too, how we can work that in. Probably the best way will be through jury selection, when you get into discussing it. Hey, did you, any positive attitudes about trucking companies when you needed toilet paper in your, during the lockdown? And how effective they were. We're hoping that translates. Of course, if they say a lot of positive things, does that mean the plaintiff side is going to strike them from the jury? So it, it, it's going to be a fine mix. I'm hoping that the, that residual attitude is there for the jurors, but um, that's a good question. We're, uh, you're right, though. Generally, there's been negative attitudes with respect to uh, trucking companies and trucks in general uh, in the past. So I'm hoping there is a little residual goodwill. We'll see how that lasts. I don't know. I don't. I don't like to over, over, optimistic here. So. That, that, yeah, that would be nice. Um, now, the trucking industry um, talk about uh, a heavily regulated uh, industry. It's my understanding that, and I think this was a, this was a federal move, not a state by state. But please correct me if I'm wrong. Is they lifted and changed a lot of the rules for truck drivers uh, to expedite the services and to get products across the country. Um, what are some of the things that they, because I think it's um, maybe the number of hours driven, uh, they've, they've expanded that. Um, A, how long do you see those um, changes staying? Um, and then B, do you, have, you, have you noticed any sense of uh, um, safety issues with the changing of the rules or have you heard anything? Or I haven't heard anything yet. And that's an interesting point. I always worry when they make exceptions like that during yeah. natural disasters, because that just gives plaintiff's attorneys are probably salivating over the fact that, oh, normally you'd be driving <laughs> off and on. You would have been off for 34. You know, you would have couldn't have done 10 hours. And I always worry that that's giving them a, a new avenue of attack. How Oh, it was only because of these incredible circumstances that they were tired or worn out. Um, and so I worry about that in this case. But the same token, I mean, there's still, especially now with the shortages of paper supplies or one thing, now you're starting to get into food shortages of yeah. uh, meat and poultry. So it's having a real impact. Hopefully that can, uh, you can translate that and explain that to jurors. But that gives a whole line of attack for plaintiff's attorneys. And some of these other exceptions are being made from the lockdowns. Like CNN reporting today, I was watching that they're allowing new drivers to get their driver's license based on a letter from their parents in Georgia that they're, because they can't go to DMV. I saw that. Can you imagine a plaintiff's <laughs> attorney salivating over mommy and daddy wrote a letter saying I could drive and they get an accident? Oh my gosh. Wow. It's going to be, so it's right now we're understanding it. We see why it's happening, but you know, in a year from now when it, or two years or three years when a case is going to trial, how, how much 
uh, residual memory will people have over what the circumstances were right now. So, And, and we're just going to have to let that play out. Now, with your experience yeah. in the trucking industry, John, tell me, because I know I, I work a lot in the trucking industry, and um, I oftentimes get called in. Uh, we do a lot of mock trials and focus groups to, yeah, to test the you know, liability and damages aspects of a case. I think what's most challenging, I want to get your opinion on this, is um, preparing preparing drivers particularly, and safety directors to an extent, yeah. for, for testimony. Can you talk about some of the challenges um, that you see when you're preparing your clients, for, particularly against a, uh, an aggressive plaintiff attorney that is probably salivating as he's walking into the deposition? Yeah, well, you've nailed it, and there's nothing better than preparation. And, of course, you're one of the best at it, is you've got the people who want to talk about safety, 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 how great they are with safety, yeah. And, you know, probably the worst thing of all are websites for these trucking companies that talk yeah. about that. And that's like, and, and so they're going to come in trying to act or say or think they're giving testimony that sounds favorable about safety. And it's just leading them down the primrose path to the plaintiff's attorneys. How, well, you didn't do that in this case. Drivers, too, try to over talk about, you know, I always say, just let the chips fall where they may. I'll take care of it. Don't yeah. try to, to twist your testimony. Be aware of what they're asking. You know, the worst thing you can do is have somebody up there who's trying to act more knowledgeable about a situation or than the plaintiff's attorney who's going to tear them apart. Just let it let it be. The safety directors, candidly, are the worst. Drivers are fine. I mean, they are what they are. you got to deal with it. But, you know, they try to come across as a position of authority or power. Yeah. It, 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 but you're right. There is no substitute. And I will say, you mentioned mock trials. My gosh, I want to mock trial every case I have for a little while to figure out how the juries are going to be impacted by this. Because you're right, no and knows. we won't know this for you know six months, a year. So that when these are coming up for trial, I, we have been um, discussing exactly what kind of impact this is going to have on jurors going forward. And the, the biggest one, any trials I have in, say, let's say any actually make it to trial in September, October, probably optimistic given the way things are packed, but. People have been out of work for a while and haven't had jobs, and they're going to now have to go and spend time in jury duty earning twelve fifty a day versus getting back to work and after their savings have been wiped out or they don't have any money. Yeah, I mean, are they going to be so distracted that they're not really going to want to be on juries? Or you're going to have people who can be on juries who don't have that issue, and then you don't have a good cross-section of the community. And I like the people who have um, – who are working and understand the value of money and the normal situation. You want a good cross-section like that. And if all the people who need to go work because they've been out of work so long can't, how is that going to impact it? So, Yeah, we could have a drastic change in the jury pool um, mm -hmm. coming up here. And again, no one really knows what to do just yet. So I think the value... I think the mock trial and focus group research has always been really important, but now I think it's probably going to double in importance going forward because until we figure out uh, juror attitudes, their uh, belief systems, and their experiences from COVID-19, uh, who you would maybe think is a classic defense juror on paper today may not be your classic uh, defense juror uh, yeah. you know, three to six months from now. You know, and that's right because it's fascinating. And some of my friends who we across the political spectrum, it's odd who has been like in favor of the lockdown and who has not been in favor of the lockdown. It's crossing the normal political lines. So it's going to be interesting to see how 
because there are people who I would have thought, oh, they're clearly in favor of the lockdown or they're against it, and they're not. And it's, it's going to be interesting to try and figure out the jurors and their attitudes about, A, the lockdown, because the lockdown is going to segue into the reptile theory a lot. Yeah. I mean, safety. To, to me, this, okay, you want safety? This is safety as it gets. Government is stepping in to keep you safe. Okay, this is what <laughs> safety looks like. Yeah. This is what we really want. And I don't know how people are going to perceive that because, you know, the reptile theory lives on this heightened standard of safety, protecting the community. Okay, here you go. Is this what you want? And how, how can we get questions to the jury that elicit the responses to see, are they favorable to that? And they'll be more receptive to the reptile type argument. And that's our job at Courtroom Sciences. And we're already working on that to try to come up with, you know, innovative uh, voir dire questions um, and, and uh, juror questionnaires to hopefully right. tap into to some of these attitudes. Uh, final, final question uh, before we wrap up. I, I know that you've been doing this uh, with your clients, you know, talking to them about reptile theory, reptile uh, tactics. Uh, two questions, I guess. Number one, are, are they getting it finally? Number one. And then number two, because of all this safety talk you're hearing due to the pandemic, do you see sort of an uptick in reptile tactics because of the circumstances? Well, I haven't seen that yet because there's nothing really going on since this lockdown. I mean, court answers aren't even due. So, I mean, discovery wow. is stopped. Everything's stopped. But, yeah, I, I, I've already been seeing the uptick in reptile over the last few years. It gets more and more and more. And then it gets the fight back on various motions where, oh, I'm not using reptile. I don't know reptile. <laughs> What's reptile? This is right out of the book. Here you go. Quote, page 54. But, yeah. Yeah. Uh, so I, I definitely think, yes, you're going to see more of that, more and more. And why not? It's been pretty effective. I mean, they're changing the landscape on how you argue a case. Um, as, as for it, companies need to get it, I mean, that's one of the things I try to pound yeah. home all the time. Trucking companies in general, for the most part, have been better about appreciating the fact you need to spend money to defend these cases. And, or, and you've made some really good points lately in some of your articles about the nuclear settlement too. Yeah. I mean, yeah. a lot of these companies are paying the numbers. I'm going, wow, because they're, they don't want to take the chance on moving forward. So it's, it's an interesting point that you're bringing up and needs to be emphasized more. And I think a good couple of presentations at some of the seminars, maybe some of the trucking people will listen to. But hopefully, we'll you and I, hopefully you and I can uh, do one of those uh, sooner than later, even if it's virtual. I'm so ready to get back on the road, <laughs> let me tell you. Uh, you know, we should have had a couple of seminars by now. April's usually a busy seminar month. Yeah. Here I've been sitting, so it's been... Now, you know, you're fortunate in Florida. Some of your restaurants are at least open. Um, yeah, we, we opened I'm, up this week. So we'll have to see well, hang in there, buddy. Uh, great talking Thanks, to you. Man. Thank you so much for being on the podcast. And uh, take care up there in the Tar Heel State. I will do that. Go Wolfpack. Talk to you later, my friend. Take care, buddy. Bye-bye.